Good morning. My name is Kurt. I serve as one of the pastors of You Flourish Church and excited uh, to be here with you today, specifically without all the masks. It's, it's, it's great to see people. Amen. <laughs> Let me first address the elephant in the room. Uh, I, I broke it playing basketball, but I'm on the mend now. Things are good. I'm not preaching sitting down now. I can actually move around the stage. Uh, so, I, you know, th- this week I, w- I was thinking back. Uh, uh, I went to uh, Milwaukee Custer High School as a, as a freshman. And, and back in those days, probably one of the, the best cars that you could ever have at that point in time was like a 1979 Pontiac Trans Am. And if you was a grown man, it would possibly change your life. But imagine having that car as a kid. And so, you know, we would walk uh, 21 blocks to school. I don't know why they didn't give us a bus pass, but we live in Wisconsin. It's freezing. Uh, but, but, but my friend and I, we were freshmen. We, we walked 21 blocks to school. But my brother, my brother's friend had this car. He had a 1979 Pontiac Trans Am. And so while my, my friend and I were walking to school, we might get two blocks into the 21 blocks and they would come driving past us and he would pull over. He's like, Kurt, I'll let you get in my car, but your ugly friend can't get in my car. And I'm like, man, I don't know why he didn't like my friend, but he wouldn't let this, my friend couldn't get in the car. And so, you know, I had to be faithful to my friend. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to get in that car, even though it changed my life. (laughs) If I arrive in the school of this car, instead I would walk 21 ice cold blocks to school because the invite was not inclusive. Unlike the invite offered by my brother's friend, uh, the passage that we're going to look at today is about an all-inclusive invitation to the kingdom. And, and, and uh, there's going to be three points that we're going to see in this passage today, and, and that is uh, the, the, the great invitation. It points to anyone. Uh, the great invitation promotes belief in Jesus and the great invitation previews uh, what believers receive. And so we're going to begin by unpacking our first point that we're going to see in this passage today. And that is the great invitation points uh, to anyone. And so if you have your Bibles today, we're going to be picking up in, in John, the seventh chapter, beginning in the 37th verse. Uh, but before we go there, maybe we go to the Lord in prayer. Um, God, you are good. We love you. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace, your love, your kindness. God, there's none like you, God. We pray above all that you would speak. And God, we pray that you will anoint our ears to hear everything that you speak. And God, that you will anoint our hearts to apply all that you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're jumping in to verse 37 in chapter 7 of John, and it reads, On the last day of the feast, uh, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Um, may the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his word. If you're following along uh, this morning, I'd like to bring to your attention in verse 37 and highlight or underline, if anyone thirsts, 
Let him come to me. Uh, uh, here we arrive uh, at, at the last day of the Feast of, of Tabernacles. And, and what was transpiring during this time for seven days, they would take water from the pool of Shalom and they would pour it on the altar to remind them of God providing water to a thirsty Israel in the wilderness. And, and, and this was also the last feast that, that Jesus attended in Jerusalem before the Passover uh, of his death and, and, and in essence what we see Jesus he's, he's making one last plea to many people who would never hear from him again before uh, his crucifixion in, in other words what, what Jesus what, what he has to say it was of great importance and, and, and it was important because of, of where he said it and he, and he said it in, in the temple courts on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles it was important because of of when he said it and again it, it was it was the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles and it was important because of how he said it the scripture says that he that he cried out like he's making a uh, uh, the, the verse 37 it insinuates that he's making a Passionate plea that he that he cried out, and, 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 and this description of him crying out again it's, it's as if he's making a passionate plea to his audience because he wants them to get this. He don't want them to miss this. This great invitation also speaks to this is also the greatest call for a response one could ever receive. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, this is the, it's the essence of the gospel. See, Jesus is, is making a passionate plea to the immediate audience, but yet the invitation extends to anyone. This is a beautiful thing when I hear language like anyone and everybody and all, you know, it, it's, and this is, this is exactly who, who, who Jesus is. And, but, but, but he's extending an, an invitation to anyone and it, it speaks directly to, to John 3 and 16, the famous passage for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, again, let's listen to that language, that whosoever means it includes everybody. And, and the beauty of the gospel is that and it's for all people. And so, so Jesus is, is, is speaking to an audience that, that probably don't even get this concept, but he's speaking to what it will be, that this is good news. And, I, and, I, and, I, and it's a beautiful thing when we talk about the good news, because oftentimes I've heard the gospel described as bad news. <laughs> uh and, 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 but, but when you understand that, that it's good news, it's a beautiful thing. And, 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 and I say this is because our society teaches us that good things ain't meant for all people. You know, I've never flown first class. One day I might get there. But I've never, I've never been there. And one of the things that really irritates me about going to the, to the airport, because I do fly a lot, is like, you know, you, they, they get ready to start boarding everybody up. Well, right now we'll, we'll start boarding all of our platinum customers. Next, we'll take all of our diamond customers. We're now boarding all of our diamond customers. Next up, we're now boarding all of our gold customers. Now we're boarding all of our silver customers. And it just keeps going on and on and on. And then at the end, it's say, like, now the rest of you losers can come on in. 
And that's, that's the group that I'm normally with. And, uh, you know, but, but, you know, and it's a, it's a terrible thing, but salvation shouldn't be like that. Uh, the, the kingdom of God, you know, that, cause that's the way our world is, but it, it's a beautiful thing to know that Jesus said that my kingdom is not of this world. Like you got different levels on this world. You got poor people, you got rich people, people doing good, people doing bad. But when it comes to the kingdom, he's like, man, I got one salvation for all people. And, it's, it's, and, and so this is, is, is good news because it's not a special club. And, and for so long I lived on the outside. You know, I, I, I wanted salvation. I'm a, I'm a preacher's kid. But, but I, you know, the way that it was preached to me was like salvation only existed for people who seemed to get themselves cleaned up. And I got angry at God because I wanted salvation, but it didn't seem like God wanted me. And I found myself just accepting the fact that, like, I'm probably going to go to hell. Like, might as well enjoy my life. <laughs> so I'm probably going to hell. Then then one day, uh, when I was living in Jackson, Mississippi, an older white gentleman comes and he knocks at my door and opened up my door and he says, I want to share the gospel with you. And I'm like, well, you're wasting your time. I already know about the gospel. I'm a preacher's kid. Yeah, you probably can go share the gospel with somebody else. And he asked me a question. He says, well, if, if, if you die today, what reason why you would ask God to let you in? And I gave him a whole bunch of God awful reasons. And, uh, and, and he pointed me to Romans 10 and 9. And I'd never seen that passage a day in my life. It says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You got to do more than that. He said, read it again. I'm like, let me see if that's a King James Version. (laughs) That man came locked and loaded. He had a King James Version. (laughs) And and, And so now I'm wondering, like, who put that in there? How did that get in there? Like, you've got to be holy. He's like, read it again. I'm like, no, you got to clean yourself up. The spirit don't dwell in the unclean temple. He said, read it again. And, and he left. And he left me with the Bible. So now I'm tossing and turning all night because I can't figure out who put that in there. How did that get in there? Why didn't, out of all these years, nobody ever show this to me? And about 5 o'clock in the morning, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, I just come to the conclusion, if that's true, I've been saved since I was eight years old. All my life living on the outside, not knowing that Jesus loved me too. And I'm finally a part of his family. And and, and oftentimes the, the gospel, I never moved too far from the gospel because I remember who I was. I remember I was that guy that on the south outside that didn't believe that Jesus loved me. And I want you to think about that right now because there's some people in the spaces and places that you occupy who feel just like I felt. Who felt like they don't measure up to the other good Christians. Uh, I just feel, feel, feel like that. You, 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 they they got to get themselves right before they can come to Christ. And this is why I say again, it's it's, it's good news, and it's for everyone. And, and I think the world needs to understand that it's for everyone. It's not just for your side of the aisle. That it's for everyone. Jesus, He makes it abundantly clear that salvation is for everyone. And He adds another key component by speaking directly to the problem. And the problem is thirst of mankind. Because one, he says, if anyone, but he also goes on to say, if anyone thirsts. And ladies and gentlemen, we all 
may recognize a level of thirst in our lives. There's a thirst to be loved. There's a thirst to be accepted. There's a thirst that we have to be valued. The sick have a thirst to be healed. Those that are are battling anxiety and depression have, have a thirst to be healed. But again, not only does Jesus speak to the problem, he offers a solution. <laughs> because he says, anyone that is thirsty, he says, let them come to me and drink. And ladies and gentlemen, all it requires is us to recognize our need. It's it's to recognize our need, no matter how long that you've been in relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, you you must recognize those those places in my heart where where he's needed. must recognize those situations, those circumstances in my life where he's needed. You know, there's going to be some times where where mama can't help you. There's going to be some times where where daddy can't help you. There's going to be some times where my best friend don't have the answers. But Jesus is is, is speaking to his audience and he's letting them know that that I'm I'm the answer for your thirst. But you've got to recognize that you're thirsty. And the invitation, it was broad because Jesus says, anyone. But then the invitation, it gets narrow. Because Jesus said, if anyone thirsts. So again, it, mustn't, it, it means that we must recognize our need. That we must always be in a place of where we're having a self-examination. Not a self-examination to, to be in a place of shame and guilt. But a place of examination to be in a place of where do I need to allow Christ to rule in my life? Should he rule in my marriage? Should he rule in how I parent my children? Shall he rule in my finances? Shall he rule in the way that I operate and interact with those that I love? And in some cases, some of those that maybe we can't stand. And so the great invitation, it points to anyone. The second point will show that the great invitation, it promotes belief in Jesus. Let's pick back up in in verse 37. Look at what it says. It says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Uh, If you're following along in verse 38, I want to bring to your attention, whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Uh, Again, may the Lord continue to to bless us as we go through his word. Uh, here we see uh, Jesus, he, he trans, transitions back to a broad invitation by declaring whoever, he uses that language, and a narrow invitation by declaring whoever believes in me. So, so, so essentially Jesus, uh, he, he explains what is meant by this, this use of drinking as a metaphor. You see, uh, to come to Jesus and drink is the equivalent of putting one's faith in him. Uh, uh, furthermore, Jesus, he, he declares that if you believe in me, like, I will satisfy your thirst. <laughs> This, this, this is a beautiful thing. And, 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 and in verse 30, 38, it says, Jesus even declares how it will happen when he says, from your heart will flow rivers of living water. 
This is a beautiful description because you got to remember the audience that he's speaking to. See, see, Jesus, he offered a perpetual river of living water for those who believed in him. And he's talking to a group of people who's who's stuck in ritual and tradition. And, and, and But what he's saying is no longer will you have to operate by rules and regulations that I'm going to put something in you <laughs> that will continue to flow from out of you. And in other words, he's essentially saying that what you need to satisfy your thirst, I'm going to put it in you. And so this this takes us to a place where it's like you know most times when we when we do recognize the thirst, we may go to God in prayer and and we're seeking God for for answers and things like that. I I don't think oftentimes we give ourselves. Enough of an understanding that everything we need is already in us. When he went to the cross, he says, it's finished. The only thing that's unfinished is us realizing that it, it is finished. <laughs> and, and he says, so, so he says, out of your heart, he says, for those that believe in me and not just believe that I'm your savior, I need you to believe that I'm your Lord of your situations. I'm the Lord of your circumstance. I'm the Lord of your, if you've got a broken marriage, bring it to me and I'll Lord over it. If you've got broken relationships, bring it to me and I'll Lord over it. But you believe, not just not just as the savior of your soul, but ladies and gentlemen, we still live in this world. And as we still live in this world, he says, what I'm going to put in you will satisfy those things. And ladies and gentlemen, subsequently upon belief, everything you need, he says, I sealed you with, with that precious Holy Spirit that, that you're going to already have. And one of the things when I was a kid, I used to love uh, coming home from school and sitting next to the black and white TV, in front of the black and white TV, and watch Batman, like the original Batman. You know, the, like the, the poor graphics <laughs> Batman. And, and it was such a great show. And like uh, the same Bat Channel and the same Bat Time. Uh, you know, you could always find Batman. It, it, it always had an answer, and the answer was always in his Bat Belt. It was, it was always in his bat belt and you could see, you know, him and Robin, they, they, they in this tank and they got their arms tied up and the water's coming up and it's coming up and it's coming up and you just know Batman is going to be a goner. And, and the next day, cause it ends <laughs> at that moment, but the next day you can hear Batman telling Robin, Robin, if I could just get to my bat belt, I can get my bat water evaporator and we'll get ourselves out of here. And before you know it, Batman, he gets to his bat belt and this water evaporator and they escape. Because everything Batman needed is in his bat belt. Well, ladies and gentlemen, when you get that Holy Spirit down on the inside of you, everything that you need is already on the inside of you. Jesus provides us a spiritual bat belt. Uh, for all those who believe. And, and the, the, the beauty of this is, uh, is those who believe should also be channels through whom the flowing rivers should pass through to others. That others should have an opportunity to experience what's in us. Now we've allowed people to experience us. 
But how often do we allow people to experience what's in us? This is the thing that binds us together. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is when the world has an opportunity to see the church is when we introduce them to what's in us. And so what we find is the great invitation. It promotes belief in Jesus. The last point we're going to see is the great invitation. It previews what believers receive. And we're just going to pick up in, in verse 38. Look at what it says in verse 38. It says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. In verse 39, uh, just to have you to highlight this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. Um, again, may the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his word. Here, uh, John, he, he's, he's sure to make it abundantly clear for his audience that the source, what the source of this, this flow of living water is. And in verse 39, John, he speaks directly on the Holy Spirit of which would be the prize for everyone who believed in him. And it, and it, and it would ring true then, and it is doubly true today. Though uh, he had not been glorified yet, Jesus previews what would come. And, and, and today we're, we're looking at this in hindsight because today we all walk around, for those who have believed, we walk around with the Holy Spirit down on the inside of us. When he's speaking to his audience, the Holy Spirit had not yet come, but Jesus is previewing it for them. Um, that, that things are about to change. And, and remember, Jesus, he's speaking to an audience of people who steeped and, and, uh, uh, in, in ritual and, and tradition. They're making sacrifices for their sins. You know, they're, they're obeying the law of, uh, of, of Moses and, and they're trying to operate and walk through those things. And this was the gist of their relationship with God. But, but Jesus is, he's, he's telling them, I'm, I'm getting ready to usher in a, a, a whole new covenant where you're going to be able to live and be in relationship with the father from a whole different perspective. And so, so he offers an alternative that will be more effective for our walk with the Lord. Not only does he offers an invitation, but he promises to place something in them that would help them live out their faith. And I'm reminded of the uh, Ezekiel 36, where he says, I'm going to take out their heart of stone. And he says, I'm going to put in them a heart of flesh. And he says, I'm going to write my statutes on their heart. And then what he says, he says, I'm going to cause them to walk in my ways. He says, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to put stipulations on them. I'm not going to tell them how to figure out, figure it out. I, 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 I'm going to cause them to walk in my ways. And, 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 and when we begin to see in the New Testament how this begins to transpire, as Jesus said, it's, he told his disciples, it's best for you that I leave. Because what I'm going to send back to you, this comforter, this Holy Spirit, is going to teach you all things. It's going to bring back to remembrance all the things that I've taught you. Ladies and gentlemen, the only thing that we have to do is just allow that Holy Spirit to live. And I think this is why the Bible tells us, like, don't quench the Spirit. Every day. And I'll use myself as an, exa- as an example. You got Kurt. Then you got what's in Kurt. 
Who am I introducing people to every day? And I think each one of us can do that. And, and, and so when we say quench the spirit, so, so, so as Jesus said, Jesus was our example. And I think Jesus like was like so gangster because Jesus was like, you don't take my life. Like I lay it down. Like that's gangster. <laughs> but, but, but here's the situation. As followers of Christ, we have this opportunity to do the same thing as we get into disagreements with people and this and that. And sometimes we be like, we believers in disagreements with unbelievers and we want to hold our stance when we got something else in us. All they got is they flesh. We got something else. And so, and so here's this opportunity to lay ourselves down so the spirit can be engaged with. So, 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 and I tell people at our church all the time, it's like, I don't want you inviting anybody to church that you have not invited into your life. And the reason why I want them to invite people into their lives, not to meet you, the person, I want them to meet what's in you. That's a different challenge, isn't it? <laughs> that, that, that's a much different challenge, but I want you to understand, I don't want to deduce what's been put in you. And I want you to understand about this amazing grace because we did not deserve what he put in us. We, we did not deserve the, 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 the price that he would, would pay for, for our sins. It was, it was, it was our sins that, that he paid the price. And, and the more and more I began to think about this, it's Jesus could have died any way that he wanted to because the price, the debt that was owed was nothing but death. If it was me, I just would rather just take one to the head or uh, uh, j- j- it could be over right away. But Jesus, he chose the way that he would die for us. That he chose like the worst possible way to die for us. And when you think about the cross, the Persians created crucifixion and the Romans took it to a whole nother level. And, and when, when they nail you, to this cross, most of the people that died from crucifixion died from asphyxiation. They couldn't breathe because of the way they had you nailed to the cross. And, and the only way that you can get a little breath was you had to get up on your tiptoes to try to get a little breath. And think about how painful that is because your feet is nailed to the cross. And so, so Jesus would choose the most excruciating way to die for you and I. And even as he's being nailed to the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Ladies and gentlemen, it's important that we recognize that we were once enemies to the cross. And yet he would be willing to die for us. We could never pay him back for what he did for us. But let me tell you what we can do. We can definitely pay it forward. If he would do it for us, should we not be required to do it for others? And he laid his life down and he suffered a torturous death. We lay our life down. It doesn't hurt. It just means that maybe we're not getting our way. But what it does mean is that the spirit is leading. Like instead of you being introduced to Kurt when he's angry, Kurt lays himself down so the spirit of God could live out of me. And ladies and gentlemen, I guarantee you, 
when we connect with the grace that was given to us, when we connect with this idea that we didn't earn it, we don't deserve it, and that we were enemies to the cross, it would be much easier for the spirit of God that lives in us to rule, rest, and abide in societies that we live in. We all have spaces and places that we occupy. And my challenge to you is that as you leave this place, is that you would be challenged in a way that you would be willing to lay yourself down so Christ could be seen. Ladies and gentlemen, he lives in you. Shouldn't people know it? Shouldn't people know it? And that's the challenge I leave with you today. Let's pray. God, you are good. We love you and we thank you for your mercy, for your grace, your love, your kindness. God, I thank you for each and every one that's here today. God, I thank you for those that are, have been challenged today, God. And, and, and God, I, I just pray that you would give them strength, God, that you would give them wisdom, God, that you would allow your spirit, God, to continue to bring back to remembrance. God, all of those things that you have spoken. God, we know that we are the light of the world. And in order for the light to be seen, God, we know that ourselves must be crucified, God. And we just render to you today, God, asking that you take our hearts, that you take our minds, that you take our actions, God, and let them be reflective of you. We give you honor. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.